welcome to the Diocesan Digest, a news outlet for the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Coordinator of Media. In these short episodes, we will share the latest news, ministry stories, clergy, spotlights, and much more about the Diocese of Oklahoma each week. If you or your congregation wants to share a ministry story or other important news item, or even a particular topic you want to see covered on the podcast, please contact me at smith at epiok.org. folks, just a few things I want to highlight for this week. We've got jobs open in the diocese. These are all clergy jobs, but we need to spread the word. The bishop coadjutor position is posted with a profile and application online, which I'll be discussing on this episode with co-chair Richard Clemens. There are three priest positions open at All Saints, McAllister, St. Andrew's Lawton, and Grace Church Ponca City. Please share those links far and wide so we can get a strong pool of candidates. Lastly, if your church has received any damage from the recent storms and flooding, please call the church insurance number 1-800-293-3525. Okay, y'all, let's dive into this week's episode with Bishop Search Committee Co-Chair Richard Clements. We chat more about the process, what exactly a coadjutor is, and how this bishop search is different from the last one. Hope you all enjoy. Here's Richard. Okay, today on the pod I've got Richard Clemens. Richard, can you tell me a little bit about your background, where you're from, how long you've been in the Episcopal Church, and your role in the bishop search committee? I'm a native of Oklahoma City. Uh, I'm unusual in the fact that I still attend the church where I was baptized and confirmed. That's All Souls. I'm a businessman in Oklahoma City, and I'm the co-chair of the Bishop Search Committee. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the process. And we just released our profile and the application, so people can start applying to be the next bishop coadjutor. Um, What's... What's this process from here on out look like? We will be accepting applications up until July 6th. And in the applications, we've asked the candidate to send their OTM profile, uh, references, and uh, also uh, answer some questions that we developed. Over the next two weeks, the committee will go through that. We will all read that. And we'll meet in mid-July and decide who we want to move forward in the process. The second step of the process will be to do uh, video interviews of the people that that we've moved on with. We'll do additional background checks of every place they've worked, every bishop they've served under, and go as deep as we can. We'll also do a third-party background check similar to the Oxford documents. Based on that, sometime in mid-August, we will decide who we want to keep advancing in the process. And the next step is a new one, and that's the discernment retreat, where we'll actually bring in our semifinalists, and we'll hole up in a hotel for about two and a half days and just meet with them over that time period. And then based on 
that experience will just that will tell us who we want to propose for a slate and present to the standing committee. Now, is our process different than other diocese process? Do you know at all? Because there's been a lot of bishop movement in the, just the last year. It's been nuts. Like Michigan just got theirs. El Camino Real, I know, just elected. Um, and there's been tons of consecrations. All that to say, everyone probably has a different process. But do you know, you said the discernment retreat's a little different. You're right about one thing. There have been a lot of searches. We just finished eight searches. They're nine underway, and they're five upcoming. But they are all similar to what we're doing now because the model is to do a discernment retreat. So it's different than what we did in 06, uh, but we it's all about the same model. I'm sure each, like just the Episcopal way of doing things, there's committees and lots of people that are helping discern in community. So, so this is the second bishop committee you've been a part of in the Diocese of Oklahoma. What things have changed, and how was the process like when you did it for uh, Bishop Ed coming here, um, and what things have changed or gotten better? What, what do you see that's been different? Probably the biggest difference has been the impact of electronic communications. Uh, in 06, we had to publish a profile. We had to distribute it by mail. The application period was open for the whole summer because people took summer vacations and you weren't sure when they would actually see it. Uh, now, we didn't print a profile, it's just an electronic document that we can email to anybody. Uh, when, they sub when the candidates submit their application, it's submitted electronically rather than the mail. And it's just speeded up the process immensely. It probably saved us three or four weeks just to get the profile developed because we didn't have to go through, I mean, we just would proof it and change it on the fly as opposed to having to send it to a printer and then get it back and approving it back and forth. Uh, the probably the biggest difference from 06 just in terms of the process in 06 we actually did site visits for our semifinalists and so we divided up in teams of three and flew to different parishes and actually interviewed the candidate and their spouse and met their people that at their churches and kind of helped form that as our basis of who we wanted to advance uh, in lieu of that now, we're going to do a discernment retreat where we'll bring the candidates in and uh, spend a two-and-a-half-day period just visiting with them, getting to know them, a series of questions. I've not yet been through it, but that's the way everyone's doing it now, and it seems to work well, and we think it'll work well for us. I was talking to my brother about this last night, and he was like, Sarah, why don't you apply to be the bishop? And I was like, Jake, you don't understand, like – you have to be a priest for a really long time and you have to you have to like know things about business and you're like kind of a CEO of a huge organization of churches it was very sweet that he thought I should apply for that but what how long is there like any sort of um I don't know like time in terms of qualifications like how long you have to be a priest or I don't like I'm just wondering what kind of candidates we're going to get I guess or what kind of people are attracted to these jobs that is hard for us to say right now there is a minimum age I believe and I don't have the candidates in front of me I think you have to be 30 but really if you are ordained then you're a potential candidate 
and our job is to put out information about the diocese and a little bit about what we're looking for and get that out in front of as many people as we can and hopefully someone will be inspired to say that's a diocese I would like to be involved with and that I would like to help lead as we go forward. Oh, also our situation's a little unique. Bishop Ed is going to retire January 2020. Is that right? 2021. 2021. So we are going to have a bishop coadjutor. So th- can you explain what that is and how that's different from just a regular old bishop? That's a great question, and this will be the second time that the Diocese of Oklahoma has hired a bishop coadjutor. And basically, the coadjutor, bishop coadjutor, works with the bishop diocesan for a period of time and basically has a mentor and can learn what's going on, can have someone guide he or she through the workings of the diocese and that's really a great benefit for the incoming bishop and then upon the retirement of bishop ed the bishop coadjutor will just become the bishop diocesan it was last done when bishop powell succeeded bishop cassidy in 1953 and more dioceses would do it save for the expense because you end up having two salaries, and uh, we're blessed here in Oklahoma that we're a well-resourced diocese, and we can afford to do this, and it will lead to a better result, I think. I love it. I think it makes a lot of sense, but the financial piece, I'm sure, is tough for a lot of dioceses, like you said. Um, what do you think in particular is will be helpful for the coadjutor um, to learn or get a grip on in our diocese? Probably the sheer expanse of the state the the area that that they will have to cover from southeast Oklahoma to northwest Oklahoma from uh, parishes like Trinity or All Souls in Oklahoma City to the smaller parishes in the rural part of the state just getting to know the breadth of the uh, congregations throughout the state will probably be the biggest adjustment Uh, there's also the practical side of it just managing the operation of a large enterprise a 50 million dollar endowment a camp and conference center uh, three episcopal schools two retirement centers there are a lot of moving parts to the diocese of oklahoma that will the person will benefit from learning that under bishop ed so in this, the process of creating the profile of months of collecting information, what are some things that stood out to you that you guys learned from doing that work? I think one of the bigger surprises that the group came up with as they were assembling the profile was just how well Oklahoma, the Diocese of Oklahoma, is resourced as it compares to other people across the country. Sometimes we in Oklahoma... You know, we're referred to as flyover country, and no one wants to be here. But if you look at all the resources available to the Diocese of Oklahoma and the size of our budget, we're two or three times the size of other dioceses that are going through the process now, and hopefully that will help us attract a strong candidate. Uh, when you look at our – we're not growing, but we're not – we're basically a stable diocese right now is probably the best way to put it. But there's been a lot of work that – sets us up 
for growth in the future. And uh, I'm not sure we really knew that. We started putting this together, and you just can't help but look at other people going through the search so you see what other dioceses are like. And as the committee was working on that, they said, wow, we compare very favorably to other people who are looking for bishops right now. What will the walkabouts be like? I think that's a cool thing, too, is like the can- the it's the semifinalists come here. Slate of candidates that will come to the diocese, and it's basically the way of being introduced throughout the diocese and, you know, will help inform the people who are responsible for voting. We are not really responsible for that. There's a transition committee that will pick that up. So our work will be done when we finish with the, uh, when we present a slate of candidates to the standing committee. Uh, that will finalize our, our work. Maybe say something about, because I just learned recently about the Transitions Committee. So what, what all do they do, and what are they in charge of? Once we've put together the slate and presented it to the Standing Committee, the Transition Committee takes over. So they do such things as the walkabouts. They uh, help with the electing convention. They will help bring the bishop and their family to Oklahoma City, help them, you know, transition into the role as bishop coadjutor, and it's a, probably a little bit different than a lot of transition committees because it's a coadjutor position, and we have a, a bishop ed here, so a lot of that will also be handled by bishop ed, where in a traditional election, oftentimes the uh, Bishop Diocesan has retired and is not there to help help out with that. There's so many moving parts and so many people involved. I mean, I think it's good. It makes it like very thorough and very precise, but there's a lot for folks to put their minds around. Um, we touched on this earlier, but really, as I think about it, it's been very few years since 06, but the ability, even with this podcast, the way that we're able to deliver the application to every bishop, to seminary deans, uh, and then they in turn can forward it on to anyone that they want to. Uh, we really don't think various the you know, various Episcopal organizations throughout the church. Uh, it's just phenomenal how well we can broadcast. Uh, our profile, our application, and get it out in front of people, as, particularly as it compared to 06, and yet we still had the Internet. We did some things on the Internet, but not like we can now. So I know, at least where I've posted, our Facebook page, our Twitter, um, Episcopal News Service has it in multiple locations, and they are going to be doing a lot of disseminating of it through their channels because they're a lot bigger than us. Um, our newsletter will have it this Friday. Yeah, so I think it's it's pretty accessible. And the Living Church will have, yeah, we'll have an article and a release. So any sort of big Episcopal publication should be featuring it the next month because that's as long as we're taking applications. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. 
and follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week and peace be with you.